really continue this practice, um, and, and really continuing what I just said, you know, my the, my main my main instruction for you as you go home is two words that I'll repeat three times: go outside, go outside, go outside. That's your homework for the rest of your life. <laughs> really, and I mean that. Like, you know, it's we're becoming an indoor species. Ninety percent, ninety-five percent of our time is indoors. Um, and for some people, way, way higher than that. And it's to our detriment and uh, to our isolation and to our mental health. And, and so um, one of the most helpful things you can do when you go home is to go outside, <laughs> drop your suitcase off, <laughs> see you later, I'm going to the park. <laughs> or I'm going to go sit in the garden. Let's have our conversation in the garden, you know, or in the park. Um, and yeah, I just we're just living at this time in some some decades now, maybe a century or two, but it seems like it's exponentially where we're just you know indoors and we're screen oriented. Right? Our attention is you know eighteen inches in front of our face most of the time. Very unnatural for all of our human history, and so, so just that, like, like I'll, yeah, just open the window, open the door, sit in the garden. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, if I've got a long phone call coming, coming, I'll, I'll go for a walk around my neighborhood. I live in a sort of urbanish neighborhood with views of water. Um, and I take my laptop onto my balcony, into my scrub little yard, um, into the park. I'll take it to the beach. I take it up the hill. Um, I, you know, just getting outside because it's it just different. When I'm working on my laptop in my office and I'm working on my laptop with that view, it's very different. It's contextualized. Like I'm realizing, oh, I'm part of this vast, beautiful web as I'm doing my email. <laughs> so it sounds sort of almost silly to say that, but it, it, it's, it's important. Just as, just as immersing as we've done here for a week, right? it's saturating. But we you know we can draw elements from this retreat in our lives. You can take your practice outside, right? bundle up like we all now, we've got our little cozy layers on, you know, I bundle up, I put three layers of wool and two down jackets, even though I live in Northern California, but it's <laughs> foggy and windy and freezing in the morning. Damp. And I bundle up, I put my woolly hat on, I have my cup of tea, and I watch the sunrise. And it's beautiful, you know. Um, so, so that the you know that the two main things that will connect you with the essence of the retreat is your contact with nature, however you do that, and your meditation practice in nature. Well, that could be mindful meandering around your neighborhood, you know, maybe not around your neighbor's garden, maybe I don't know unless you've got friendly neighbors, but just imagine you all meandering <laughs> in your neighbor's gardens. Ooh, I'm just going to touch this rose. <laughs> I can smell this ponderosa tree. (laughs) 
Let me call the cops. <laughs> you know, but the good news is you know, nature is everything and everywhere, and so we can access it even in the city. We can look up and see the sky and feel the wind. Find a tree in your neighborhood. Grow a plant, you know, grow orchids. I love tending to life. It's a beautiful thing. And you know, days I don't go out, can't go out, you know, look at my plant. Or my cats. They're very wild. <laughs> Especially what they bring in from their hunting. So so the main thing I want to talk about with the transition from retreat is that the practice is inside you. Mindfulness, awareness is inside you. It's innate presence. Love is innate within you. And so you can draw on that. The sensory awareness, embodied awareness that we've been doing here. You know, when you get home and maybe you, you know, long day traveling or you know, you picked up too many emails you didn't want to be reading and Go into your garden if you have one, or sit quietly and relax like we've been doing here. And just say, oh, right, presence is here, awareness is here, mindfulness is here. So the practice is within you, and mm, it's the phrase goes, mindfulness is easy, remembering to be mindful is difficult. That's why practice makes us more, um, remember more, it's more likely to arise. So, um, so we've done a lot of informal practice here, meandering and just, just, you know, just being in aware, abiding in awareness, walking, meandering, sitting on the porch, looking at the sunset. Right? So I really want to invite um, your informal practice. Right? That, you know, yes, it's nice to sit in meditation. It's nice to have a regular practice. Some of you do. Some of you have a you know, don't. And some of you have a regular once a year practice. Um, and but. There's so many more hours in the day than the hours we put our bum on the cushion. So, drawing on the, on the this relaxed presence, ordinary awareness. I did a retreat. I did a self retreat uh, a few months ago in Bolinas on the California coast. I called it my resting and being retreat. I didn't have a schedule, but I you know I get up and I'd sit a little and have tea and. But the most profound thing was making food, just, just being ordinary, just you know, making my porridge and making my tea and doing dishes and <coughs> walking along the, the garden and the cliffs. Like it's just very ordinary. It's very simple. Just like we've you know, got your tea and presence is available. And when we're outside, it's even more available. So. You know, and having said all that, you know, you might not even get to your car before you've, uh, hi. 
Yes, you're welcome to join us. You might need to bundle up. It's a bit cold. Um, hi. You're in for a surprise treat later. Nobody else knows either, but there's a treat happening. You're going to very, be very happy about. Um, two treats, actually. Three treats. Three treats. All right. Three treats. It's growing. Any more? Do I hear any more? <laughs> um, so, this is a very meandering going home talk. <laughs> You have the sunset, though. You have the sunset, exactly, right. Four treats. Yeah. Um, So I was uh, just saying, you know, you might not get to your car before, you know, you've spaced out, you've gotten reactive, you've been judging yourself, and you're like, oh, my God, I haven't even got to my car, and I've already lost the retreat. It's like, God, I've blown it. You know, maybe you can't find your keys, and then you realize, oh, the car doesn't have keys anymore. It has some kind of other fancy pants thing, because it doesn't have keys anymore, you know. <clears throat> and then you realize, oh, wow, I've gotten really reactive. Wow, I got really triggered then. Oh, wow, look at that. I'm really on my case. Oh, oh that's painful. Oh, maybe I should take a breath. Feel my feet on the floor. Oh, look at the sky. Oh, there's a lot of space. Oh, spaciousness, right? That English dude, he was always on about spaciousness, spaciousness, spaciousness. Oh, spa- all right. When I look at the sky, the anger seems to recede. Oh, spaciousness. Oh. Maybe he's onto something. <laughs> spaciousness. So, you know, just like, just. It's like here, you know, we space out, we just lose awareness a thousand times a day, and we come back, we return. Short moments, many times, short moments, many times. You're driving, and you're spacing out, and you come back, and you space out, and you come back. And you worry, and you space out, and you plan, you space out, and come back. The present moment is infinitely forgiving. So maybe that's enough for me for now. So we've been hearing that phrase about us single moments many times and there can also be a slight word change which is simple moments many times and so that this doesn't have to be super complicated and you have to set up a room and do all these things and you know all of that you might even find yourself missing ants like out here they're crawling on you and they're like you're, you're having this thing and then you're at home and you're like where are the ants like that little thing one of the things about being out here and then going home is that when you're surrounded by human-made objects, almost 100% of them have some kind of human-based function. And that is giving your system the information of you have to have a certain kind of human-based function on the planet to be of worth and of use. And so I would just encourage you 
to remember that there's this whole planet of function <laughs> that you are part of that doesn't have to be, okay, now I have to hold the water. Oh, now I have to do this. I have to do this thing because, or I have to find the thing I'm supposed to do. You can relax into your mere existence is part of this function of being human. And that there's something super sweet about that. Like this, this, uh, this idea that um, the meaning of life is the experience of being alive. I think that was maybe Joseph Campbell. But the meaning of life is the experience of being alive. And so that aliveness can be remembered by seeing an ant <laughs> or just the birds on the top of the trees, things that are simple. Because we're often going back into a place that, that visually looks the same as when we left, I would invite you to do this odd thing, which is to change one thing to make your environment slightly different. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's just something that's going to change the attention in some way so that it's not you're just dropping exactly back in and you get this state-dependent memory. You can have something slightly different than is going, wait, something's a little different. <laughs> and that that can support that remembering, that remembering of this I also want to just mention, which you have heard before if you've been on retreats, which is to have some, have some care around talking to other people about the retreat, especially in the first few weeks, because it's, uh, it's often the case that other people don't get it when you say, and then there was this bird. <laughs> and you're like, don't you get it? <laughs> And they don't get it. <laughs> and so then that puts something back into you where you're, where you're like, oh. And so to really like hold, hold in some way the preciousness of this and let it continue to work inside of you. There's something also about, I'm going to keep my eyes open because I've heard that I talk louder when my eyes are open. <laughs> right. Good, I almost went there, Patty. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Eyes open. So there's this idea that when, you, um, when you're practicing metta or you're needing some support in compassion or something like that, that there are thousands of people around the planet at any moment offering that practice. And so I would, I would invite that the number of people who have been on these kind of retreats, that at any moment that you're feeling a little lost and a little bit of need of a taste of this, you can imagine there is at the very least one person, if not hundreds of people who are in that very moment holding and offering that practice. And sometimes that person is you. Sometimes that person is you. 
it's that practice of may my practice be of benefit to all beings and sometimes being on the receiving end of that. I think that might be all for me, as far as that goes. Okay, I'm going to say a couple more things. Great. So one of the um, one of the main functions of a retreat is that it re-inspires us. It re-inspires our practice. It re-inspires possibility. It re it re-inspires potential. Um, and and that's often why we come back to retreat because we feel like we've lost our way. We're kind of not sure what we're doing. What's the point? And um, it's a beautiful thing to be inspired. Anybody feel inspired about your practice? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of what what can happen. Um, and um, but like everything, it's impermanent, <laughs> and it will fade. <laughs> it's kind of a good business model because it just means <laughs> you just have to keep coming back. I'm just. <laughs> terrible thing to say. Anyhow. <laughs> um, but, it, but it begs the question, um, for me, because people, are, you know, it's one of the most common questions I get asked as a Dharma teacher is, how do I maintain my practice? How do I maintain a daily practice? It's hard to maintain the motivation and discipline. And, and my answer is slightly counterintuitive, is I say, well, it, it what the what will support that is is knowing what inspires you. Mm. Staying connected with what inspires you. And that might be being connected to the Buddha or to the teachings or to teachers or to community like the one we have here or to nature or to nature dharma or to listening to dharma talks and dharma seed. Most of the talks that we gave here were Uploaded to Dharma Seed. Um, you know, find some, and particularly like for me, I like to find teachers who challenge me. And the Dharma is very challenging. Right? It's a very sort of uncompromising and um, uh, sort of somewhat idealist uh, sort of framework. And so find teachers who stretch you. You know, who stretch your understanding, who challenge you to, you know, grow your heart or open your mind or to really burrow down into, you know, some of these wisdom fruits. Um, and you don't even have to like them, but they can be brilliant teachers. One of my first teachers was very challenging and pokey and 
uh, rubbed people the wrong way, and um, but was a great teacher of emptiness. I'm eternally indebted to him, um, and was pers- confronting me many times, challenged me, and really got me to practice, and got me to look, got me to, yeah. So, so just knowing what inspires you, and 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 really making making that a priority. Oh, and then a couple of other things. Um, this, I'm stating the obvious, and, but um, uh, there's these things called um, mobile phones. You might have heard of them. Um, and there's these technological things that have lots of little colorful, very seductive, addictive uh, things designed to completely seduce your attention. And they've had billions and billions of dollars designing that addictive quality. Um, anyhow, you're going to use them tomorrow. Um, probably a lot. And there's lots of things on there that will probably, well, be entertaining and, and um, maybe a little annoying and maybe overwhelming. And, um, and my suggestion is you, you know, so it's like use sparingly, you know. You know. Of course you want to get out and you probably want to check, you know, your messages and see, you know, what just catch up with friends and, you know, family and, you know, you check in what's going on. But you don't need to reread all 279 emails and all that's on your Slack channel and whatever else you're using. You know, um, so, so try and reorient to that slowly. Um, uh, if you have cell phones, you bring them to the meditation tomorrow morning. We'll do a little Cell phone practice. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's important, right? This is such a big part of our life for, for many of us, right? Whether it's our phone or a computer or tablet or both or all three, or and we need to, you know, it's it, and especially when we leave retreat, it, it can be very dizzying because our, our, our certain kind of functioning part of our brain has gone offline. So, um, so go slowly with that. Go slowly with the news if you can. I'm happy to say that I'm not happy to say, but um, the, there's nothing, nothing of major. I can't say that either. Um, it's it's um, it's it's business as usual um, in the world, and um, but nothing sort of cataclysmic that that we would you know be du- duty bound to notify you about or warn you about. So that's good news. I mean, it's you know, not great news, but. Um, and um, technology, media, yeah. And then, and then, just to also to be patient with yourself. Sometimes when you leave retreat, um, we can feel a bit slow, and um, uh, and also we can feel lonely, we can feel depressed, um, sad, uh, and particularly we can feel the longing for the wilderness. Yeah. Longing for beauty, which we might not have in our in our in where we live, um, and so and so getting home sometimes we can feel a bit disoriented. We get home, it's like, well, there's my desk, and uh, it just can feel odd. Mm. And so just be kind with yourself because it can take a couple of days to get up to speed. And so be patient. Yeah. 
you know, just and you might go to the supermarket and you go to, I don't know, Whole Foods or something, and you need some milk, and it's like, oh my God, there's 75 kinds of milk. <laughs> I'm gonna just have black tea and just kind of, <laughs> you know, it's dizzying. So, so be kind, be slow, be patient. And the best thing you could do with your phone tomorrow morning when you wake up is, which I did this morning, is you get out whatever app you have for recording, which on on, on Apple is um, voice memos. And you get up, you go outside, you press record, (laughs) and you record the bird song. I'm serious, it's beautiful. And you record it for a minute, you could do it because you could put it on loop or five minutes. And then when you get home in the morning, if you're morning practice, play the bird song. Like it's a beautiful thing. You know, those phones actually have some use. <laughs> and and that's a really good one. I I record all kinds of bird song. And I listen I listen play it. Um, and it'll bring you right back here in your meditation. Okay, so that's enough of that for now. Um, and then as Chogyam Trungpa used to say at the end of some of his teachings, he'd say, good luck. <laughs> Anyhow. So I think we're going to do some meta practice. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. And Robin's going to lead. Um, we were going to take questions, but I think it's too late. So we can save those maybe in the morning. Um, and then we're going to have some couple of things after the metta practice. Some chanting. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.